Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Drivers Meeting Podcast, hosted by RJ Starcevic and driver and team owner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Tommy Joe Martins. And welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast, episode number 32, presented by Bet Online. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sporting betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. So like I said, this is episode number 32 and 30, 30 episodes ago on the second episode ever of this podcast, we had Matt Tift on uh, the show before the season. And he was able to talk about, you know, everything that was going on with Live Fast Motorsports in preparation for the season. So here we are, we're almost about, I believe almost about halfway through uh, the season. And we got the man himself, BJ McLeod on the show. So how are you feeling so far um, uh, this crazy 2021 season? Oh, we're feeling pretty good. We uh, definitely come a long way since announcing in, uh, I believe it was October, and and getting our first car the first week of December and trying to get to the Daytona 500 in February. So it's been a lot to learn and watch and see and and uh, honestly enjoy um, these first five or six months of the team. And it's um, you know been very eye opening and and just truly you know been interesting to try and you know, do good and keep, keep working to try and be better. And just the broad spectrum that you can look at to try and make things happen. And, and the amount of time that it could take or will take, or, you know, it's just, it's just wild. The whole thing is just truly uh, been a cool, you know, undertaking and, and um, just looking forward to trying to keep working and be better. Yeah. You, we, we had him on, um, Matt Tift, and he really talked about the goals, right? And everything at the beginning of the season and kind of, you guys are, you're getting ready for the next gen. Everybody's getting ready for the next gen next year. And kind of this year was kind of just, you know, dipping your feet in right. Uh, and into the cup series. So do you feel like so far uh, the goals that you guys had set kind of at the beginning, you feel like you've uh, been able, or at least on the road of accomplishing those. We're definitely uh, right there on par with them. We, we, our biggest goal for this year is to get infrastructure, um, you know, pretty well established, and and we've got a good group of guys that are that are working really hard on the, on the cars, and and they're you know things going you know from week to week. It's hard to keep up the schedule, and and that's all working out, and you know just seeing where we were at budget wise and where we could plan on running and what we could try to do to maybe gain a spot or two, but you know everything that we kind of hoped would play out has played out and we're, uh, you know, we're just in a system now where 
it's crazy, but like you said, everybody's planning for next gen and we're sitting, you know, the first week of June and we've been planning for 22 for the last two months. You know, like it's, it's really weird because usually you, you set your, your plans up for the, for the upcoming year in August, finish them all October, November, then, uh, you know, roll into December, January prep and go on with it. And you at least enjoy the first six months without worrying about the next year. And that just doesn't happen now. Like we're, uh, we're, we're really deep into plans for next year and, and just it's crazy how you can't really just live in the moment because of how much you have to do ahead. And, and next gen's just added to that and honestly added more excitement to the whole deal also. So it's, um, you know, definitely on, on par with where we want to be goal wise and, and excited about a lot of things we've been able to accomplish and want to be a better, better at some others. So we're, uh, we're just going to keep trying to do that. So BJ, the next gen, uh, it's been, thrown around now for a long time you were there at the ford debut i saw you there that's about as nice as you're going to get dressed up for an event absolutely as i know okay yeah. funny story you. tommy real by quick. the way all the people yeah. here uh that know obviously i drove for bj mcleod all right before bj the for my former team owner here uh many a closed door meetings with me and him but this is a yeah. guy that literally told me I don't want to go to the banquet. Just go for me one year at the Xfinity banquet. So seeing BJ up there on the stage with all the Ford people, that was a really fun moment for me. I laughed at that pretty good, dude. Well, it's still a funny story. You know, I, I was so pleased to be invited to that. Like it was yeah. an honor to be able to go like a life accomplishment, honestly, to be there on that stage and around the people we were around and, and just really, you know, gave me a lot of drive to, to try to be there in 30 years, you know, like be one of these guys that was up there with us, but headed to that, I put on an affliction shirt. <laughs> Jessica's like, you need to put on a long sleeve shirt, babe. And I'm like, you think so? And she's like, yes, trust me. There's going to be pictures. Like you need to, you need to at least put on a long sleeve shirt. I was like, all right, I'll put on a long sleeve shirt. So thankfully I listened because it turned out to be way cooler than I knew whenever we were headed that direction. Yeah, so it, was, it, was it, uh, it worked out here. Like USA Today, <laughs> that's, that's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was uh, it was pretty cool, man. And like I said, just a huge honor to be invited to that. And and the reception and the way people treat us treat us there was, was really pleasant too. All right, now look, I know you're gonna probably play diplomatic here. You are now one of those people. You're a charter owner in the Cup Series and with the next gen coming out, we have heard two very different opinions. We have heard this is going to really level the playing field. We're all going to be dealing with the same car, and that's good. Overall, it's probably going to lower the cost for some of the bigger teams, right? We know there's going to be a lot of layoffs. We know that's going to be kind of a crazy winner. I also know there's a ton of upfront cost, BJ. I know these cars are going to wound up being expensive. You're looking at it. Are you like really hopeful for this or are there stuff here that maybe we're not picking up from everybody putting out? Like what, what are your impressions of this? You've probably been a lot more hands-on with it than anybody else. Well, you know me, you always get the real opinion. And, and I, um, I definitely have my opinion set on, on what I've predicted as a businessman, not just personal opinions. And the fact of the matter is this car will help level the playing field. There is no doubt about that. I also am realistic in knowing that, it's probably going to be more towards the sense of, you know, like the Coca-Cola 600, we finished 10 laps down and we had a pretty good day 
Um, a lot of cautions fall at the wrong time and cause a lot of that, but it definitely was a pretty good day for us at 10 laps down and we finished 31st, I believe something like that without any attrition, everybody ran the whole race. So, you know, what we're looking forward to is we believe that that race will next year be six laps down instead. Okay. And that's our longest race of the year. Go to a regular 400 mile race where we may finish four laps down with our budget right now. And the experience level of our, of our team and our infrastructure and where we're at, you know, as far as gaining momentum and trying to get better instead of being, let's say four laps down, maybe we're one lap down. Like that's, that's what it's realistically going to do because it does. There's a lot of features and characteristics of the car that help us close the gap to a Joe Gibbs racing or a Stuart Haas racing or, you know, whatever you want to say, it will definitely help us close that gap. Is it going to put us on the same playing field as them or in the same realm as them? Absolutely not. It will take us in my mind, five, 10, 15 years to be in that conversation if we do everything right. And there's a thousand ways between now and then that we can fail, you know, like we can make one wrong decision and be out of this. It is that hard and that, that technical at this level, but we're up for the challenge and, and going to work towards uh, hopefully getting where we want to be in the, in the, in the far future. And, you know, as far as the next gen car, the one thing I'm most excited about is the driving aspect of it. Every driver I've talked to say it is unbelievably hard to drive. And I think that's great for our fans. I think that it puts it in the hands of, you know, modulating throttle and, and watching steering wheel input and things that we all had to do at short track levels that, you know, some of these bigger tracks, you get accustomed to just laying your foot on the floor and holding on, you know, and it's like, I don't see that car being that way. And I think it's something that the the NASCAR, you know, fan base is really going to enjoy watching because I just don't see one person dominating ever with this car. I believe it'll be a week to week deal that, you know, you hit it. Yeah. You're going to win by 10 car lengths, 15 car lengths, maybe more, but it's going to be a back and forth and it could happen during the race. We could have three, four different leaders because of that. Like it's, it's going to be a, 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 very exciting time for our sport to look forward to the week after the Daytona 500 because the 500 is always exciting, right? Like you can't, that's just, you, you can't beat that. But wherever we go the week after the 500, it's going to be a race that you're like, we really don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, you can see it. I, I watched uh, Chase Elliott talk about it and he's like, you can see a true reaction from him of, I don't know what to expect. You know, like you've got your last year's champion saying, I don't know what I'm going to have to learn. And when you have that, it's an interesting and exciting situation for our, for our fans. Yeah, BJ, you've kind of mastered now, you've been in it for so long, the Xfinity series and, and kind of the business of the Xfinity series, making this jump to the cup level. You know, it's something you've always wanted to do. You've done it now six months. <laughs> what has surprised you? What have you learned? Well, since you were with me, kind of crazy, isn't it? Right. <laughs> like, like me and you in the green trailer, the first couple of races, like it's, it's wild. wild. I know. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, um, you know, honestly, I haven't been surprised by anything other than, like I said, the enjoyment of it. It's been, I didn't know because you know how hard it is to, to manage an Xfinity team. Okay. Like you live that and, you know, we've done it with one, two and three now and, and I didn't, I didn't know that I was going to enjoy the cup side so much. I would do it if it wasn't, I wouldn't do it if I didn't like it. I'll say that right now, but everything that you want that's good is, is hard. Okay. It's, that's just life. And I was expecting to be a little bit more, you know, worried and, and on edge with the cup team 
than I actually am. And it, that's been the biggest surprise that it's, you know, how we made it in Xfinity, right? Like we just pinched pennies and cut corners and just made it until, till we were there, right? Like we just made it happen. So with the cup deal, it's, it's a, it's a little bit easier for me because you can't really cut corners. You can't save where we've saved before and different things. And it's just, you either have it or you don't. And it's made it a little bit easier on my part to just be able to say, we're going to do this and we're going to figure that out. And that's been the biggest eye opener is just knowing that it is the highest stock car series in the world and it is going to be the way it is and you're going to survive or you're not. It's up to you. Yeah. I really liked what you said before. Um, and it's kind of even what Matt Tiff was talking about before. Like a lot of people, some, some teams come out and, you know, everyone's expecting them to oh go and, you know, go for the highest mark, you know, right when they get to the sport. Right. And me and Tommy Joe talk about this all the time on, on the show. There's, you know, there's teams that go out and spend too much or buy too much, you know, and, and they don't end up having success in the future. But I like what you said about five, 10, 15 years, you know, to get to that point where you guys are a really, really, you know, strong organization or whatever ends up happening, you know, it's hard to tell what'll happen um, up then. But I really, I really like what you said there. And that's, that's the key, right? Is, you know, if, if we were to kind of find a word for that, would it be patience? Well, it's, you just have to know yourself, know what you're capable of and where you're from and where you're trying to go. Okay. And it's, not outliving or outspending your means and not reaching over because you can this week and, and taking from something that you need in the future because you hope something will work out. I'm not that guy. Like everything I do is calculated. Everything I do, I have a plan for. And usually it's years down the road. And that is not an exaggeration. I think people kind of can see that now that, that have seen me the last 10, 15 years that know me from then and know me now. And they knew I said this in 06. I said this in 07. Like I was going to try to get here. Did I ever say I would? Absolutely not. Because it is impossible to know that you will, but you can work every day like you're going to, and you can keep trying no matter what, and you either make it or you don't like that's, that's the way I've lived. So, you know, we, we definitely look at our own situation. We don't get wrapped up in trying to outrun anyone. We literally just try to put the fastest car on the track every weekend that we can for our budget at this particular point and know that I'm going to be there in February of 2022. Nothing's going to change that. I will be there in February of 23. Okay. Like it's, we're going to keep working. We've got a plan to be there and hopefully we can build the right network, which we've got a great network. Now I wouldn't be where I'm at without the great people I've been surrounded by, but we have to keep you know, cultivating the networks we've made and the friendships we've made and keep making them larger. And then sooner or later, we are hoping the right pieces fall into place to be able to be the competitive team that we want to be years down the road. And we do it by paying attention to ourselves, sticking to our plan and making sure we're here for the long run. BJ, did you ever think you would be in a spot if I talked to you five years ago where you would be making a deal with Stuart Haas to partner with you guys on the Xfinity side. So thought of it. Absolutely. Tommy Joe thought it realistic. No, not at all. (laughs) There's a big difference. And I, um, I just, everything that I've done, I've been in business for myself since I was 19, everything I've done my entire life, even before that was saying yes to almost every opportunity. Okay. And building every relationship that I can and the reason why I say I thought it is because I definitely thought of something of this sort at some time. I didn't know if it was year two or year 10, 
right? I wouldn't have any idea. Would I have ever told you it's going to happen? Absolutely not. Am I thankful that it did? For sure. I am thankful that it did. Yeah, I think that's really cool that the, the Stuart Haas part. I mean, how, how's that been? You know, because it's really came um, to life big time the last few weeks having Harvick, you know, in the five car. You had Chase Briscoe driving the 99. I mean, how's that been just overall for the team? You know, maybe some of the drivers that are technically, you know, getting to be teammates with them. How's that been for everybody over there? It's been huge for us. Um, you know, big uh, learning curve getting to, to, you know, be around a network in a, in a group like that. And, you know, seeing, seeing Kevin drive the car at Coda and, and the effort he put into it. I mean, I, I said this in another interview, I, I consider him a 20 year guy and it's like, I think he's a, he's a 21 years right now. I'm not sure the exact number, but when you're successful for 20 years and, and NASCAR's highest level, it's, an, it's it's what, one of eight, if we counted them, or one of 10? I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's very few, okay? And it's even harder, even though it's successful, to keep the drive that it takes to be successful. And the amount of effort I seen him put in that weekend was unbelievable to me. Like, he, you know, you know he does, because he's Kevin Harvick. He wins races, and that's just him, right? But to see it out of my own eyes around my stuff and my people and it was just unreal what he put into that weekend. And it, you know, that was, that was probably the coolest part for me. And, and I think he got moved out of the way with like the next, the last restart of the last restart. And he just drove right back through everybody. Like he, he just never quit, man. A lot of people would have said, you know what, it's five, six to go. Let's just chill and, and get a decent finish here. Not him. And to do that 20 years into the success that he's had and all the things he's accomplished just blows my mind, honestly. Like it's what I want to be in the future. I know I can't reach his success level and that's just being realistic, but I just want to prove that I always have that amount of drive, no matter if I ever get a NASCAR win or if I'm stuck thinking that 15th is a win for me, I'm fine with that. As long as I prove to everybody around me that I have the equal amount of drive that he has to be successful. And, and, you know, like you said, moving on to, to Briscoe at Charlotte, he almost won the race. Like he was, he was, I think 25 laps to go. He's leading. And these people for them to be willing to work with us and, you know, help it definitely helped them you know it helped with their seat time and stuff but i feel like it helped us more and it's just the things we were able to learn and and be around for this amount of time has just been really big for us and just really thankful that that chase and kevin and and the you know shr guys that we've been around were just you know were willing to do what they did and we just greatly appreciate it you know you're talking about the partnerships there i think about a couple of the guys that you've worked with now several times this year and really like your life down there in Florida. And you had people that you met, Scott Heckert and Matt Tift that are now still doing this with you in the cup series. And I think about like Heckert getting in the car at Sonoma and getting in the car uh, down there at the Daytona road course. And obviously, yep. you know, I've been teammates with Scott over there at your team and I've raced against Scott when I've driven for my team and other teams, great road racer. But it's still so crazy to me that this is this little circle of people that you've had with you now in a journey all the way from like a late model coach all the way all the way to like the cup series now. And you're kind of bringing these guys with you. It's funny you mentioned that because it's truly one of the greatest accomplishments of my life is being able to know those guys and work with them as kids. I mean, Matt was 12 the first time I worked with him. Okay. Yeah. And Scott, I don't think was maybe a year or two older than that. And 
I feel like it speaks volumes to the, to the kind of people they are and who I'm trying to be that we can be in the sport of racing for 10 years together. And actually it's 10 years plus now. And we all are still working together. <laughs> like now Matt and Tiff, Tiff and I are partners in a cup team, like you said, and the first person we call to fill in the seat, because I, we all know my road course talent's not even anywhere near 50% par. Right. <laughs> so he's a, he's the first person I call because I want my car to run good. And, yeah. you know, he's drove for me, like you said, miscellaneous times in the Xfinity program. And to be, related to those families for over a decade now is one of the accomplishments that I hold highest in my life because they were my first driver development drivers. You know, like I still am with them and it speaks largely to, to what I was trying to build with BJ McLeod Motorsports that we were good enough to people that they're still working with me over a decade later and, and not just work on me a little. I mean, like we're at a, at a pretty high level now. <laughs> Yeah. It also it backs something up that you've always thought and you've spoken to me about. You've always felt that Scott Heckert was an elite level road racer. And now he's so and he's gone up to the Cup Series, competed against some of the best people in the world and proved that he absolutely belongs there. So you've had the right hunch on that all along. Well, so I just seen that in Scott and Scott will get out of a road course car and talk to you. And he thinks he talks to you like he's last or he's, you know, like off and left field. And I'm like, dude, I wish I was within a second of you. Like, <laughs> I just wish I could get like that close. I'd be happy, you know? And it's like, he, he doesn't, I don't think he knows any, and the greatest thing about Scott's, he would never, even if he did know, talk about it. Right. But Yesterday, I called him after the cup race, or maybe it was the day before, Sunday night, and um, I told him, I said, Scott, I know you've won a lot of big road races, and he's won some stuff overseas, which I think is awesome. He's won at um, Spa, just some some crazy places, right? And I said, in my mind, what you did Sunday, finishing 26th, racing with the guys you raced against is the biggest accomplishment of your life, of your life as a race car driver. And I said, I, I believe I have a pretty good outlook on that kind of stuff because this is my life, right? So just enjoy what you did today. Remember what you learned. And hopefully we get to try to make that better in another weekend. And I just was really proud of him because, like you said, he went wheel to wheel with people that were restarting back there. Logano, uh, Keselowski, Newman, like, and I mean, there was there was laps that it took him, you know, half a track to get by him, you know. And I mean, that's, you know, how hard it is to hold any of those guys off in equipment like they have with the talent level they have and the experience on top of that. So, like you said, he definitely proved that he belonged there. And we were very proud of what he did in our hot run. Is that how you felt? Because um, because you mentioned uh, going to the road course, you needed to call to call Scott and Kyle Tilly as well, who drove at Coda. Is that how you felt going into the, uh, the dirt race on Bristol? You needed to make a call. Yeah. You know, looking. So I did it one hundred percent because on the Cup side, I want the car to be fast, and I had no dirt experience in my life ever. And Globic did an excellent job. He got caught him in a wreck that I don't think anybody could have missed, yeah. and he had caught the ten car right before for that wreck. And I told, we told him, we're like, just chill out, you know, just stick with him. You'll be fine. Cause I mean, I, he was just really fast for that part of the race and, and he's not used to three hour races. Right. So we didn't want him to get, you know, too, too rambunctious early. And we were trying to just ride and he ended up getting destroyed. And, you know, he did an unreal job looking back at it. Now I would be more than happy to drive that dirt race because it turned into something that would have fit me perfectly. I, I, I didn't know. I was thinking you were going to be up on the cushion and have to run the different sides of the track, wet or dry. Like I just thought some things I've seen on TV that I wouldn't be ready for it. 
and what it turned into, I'd have really liked the challenge of, of trying to adapt to it because it was all throttle management role. I mean, it turned into a really, really cool race. And I, I definitely would have loved to have tried it. So BJ, you've been in this stuff for a long time now, both on the driving side and the ownership side. And I think anybody that has ever seen you knows you have a very distinct look about yourself. And that's so different than like, obviously we sit here and talk. It's all, I feel like you're two very different people. What do you think the perception has changed about you both as a driver and an owner over the last few years? Because I feel like it has changed inside the garage area. Well, I think, you know, I don't pay much attention to that, Tommy Joe. You know me, and, I, and you know I that know, I don't. I know you yeah. don't. That's why I'm making you answer it right now on a podcast. Hey, you know, in my opinion, I think for myself, it was trying to be here because this is what I love. This is my passion. Like, I I don't know why I would breathe without without a race car in my life. I really and, don't. And, and I know, and by the way, and I'm going to contribute to that because I know that part of it, when I was driving for you, was kind of establishing the team exactly. on solid ground for a long time. And then that yeah. changed a bit. Well, that's the thing I think has changed the most over the couple of years. The last couple of years is even for myself, forget how other people perceive me, even though that's the question, is trying to survive trying to be here and and like i said i never planned on being here for five years even though that's a huge accomplishment anytime you can be an owner in any of the top three series for five years you have done a lot and accomplished a lot and in my head i want to be here for a lifetime like i have so much respect for coach and and mr h and and you know childress and you go the list goes on and on petty everybody that walks down pit road in their 60s 70s and penske i believe is close to his 80s if not it's like that's who i would i'm going to strive to be i'm going to dream to be like those guys in the future and i believe what's changed the most the last couple of years is when people look at me they know i'm trying to be here for a long time like forget that i dress different and i don't really fit in the in the nascar uh, rule book of clothes right now but it's definitely what they know that yeah i'm a little bit different but i'm definitely trying to be a mainstay in the series as an owner for a very long time and that's that's one thing i'm thankful for and that i'm glad is starting to happen and, and i'm going to keep working to prove that i can belong here what do you think as a driver, right? So that we're talking more of the business there, right? As a driver, BJ McLeod, the driver, it's very rare that you just get to like, just, hey, cut loose, man. It's all, it's all you. Just drive the car. Don't think about right. anything else. That doesn't happen for you as much anymore. I mean, because you're either driving for your own team in the Cup Series. Maybe you're driving for another team in the Xfinity Series. I, I know you used to drive for Johnny a whole lot. That's not really happening as much now. No. Because Johnny's got four cars kind of taken care of for the year. So, you know, th- what's your mentality when you're driving your own cup car? <laughs> Truthfully, Tommy Joe, I got to a point about, I'm going to say roughly 24 months ago, maybe a little less, that every car I get in now, I just drive it. Like, I don't care if I own it or not. Some of the ones I drive, I'm actually a little more aggressive with than the ones I don't, the ones I own that I drive. Yeah. Um, if I drive for Mario or Johnny or Rick or, you know, Bobby or whoever, I would, I'll ask them, you know, do you want me to just go hundred percent or do you want me to keep the fenders on it and maybe lose a spot or two? Like you tell me, cause I can flip the switch. So, you know, I, I just, I just listen to what they say and, 
And when I'm driving my cup car, there is very few times that I play cautious. Like I, yeah, it's always later in the race. Once you're on your on your own lap, maybe I'll drop back, you know, because there's really nothing we can pull off, right? But it is 600. I was already four laps down. I restarted 20th on the track. Not very smart as an owner. Okay. But I wanted to have a little fun as a driver. I'm not going to lie. And when you got those cars behind you, you can hang on for a couple laps because the draft and those are pretty big at the mile and a half. So, you know, we actually stayed in front of uh, two or three really big cars for probably four laps because they were helping us. The second they got out of line, I dropped like an anchor. So I want to say right there too, part of this is probably a level of trust that you have in a lot of the guys around you too, at the cup level. I mean, you're talking about a lot of established, experienced people driving those cars. Even though the restarts definitely get crazy, there's almost like a level of trust that you probably have with a lot of those drivers, too. Well, first of all, I have a ton of respect for anybody in any of the top three series, right? They're all excellent at at what what they do, okay? But you're correct. When you're in the Cup Series, when you're 39th, the guy next to you can drive 100% and not touch you. Like yeah. and not lose the guy, the guy at 38 like, is like Timmy Hill. He's, he's right. still has 300 yeah. starts or something. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's crazy. You know, it's like, it's, it's unreal. The amount of, of talent level and, and just drive that whole series has. I mean, it's, it is crazy how hard it is. And to your point, I don't, so in Xfinity and trucks and super late models and everything, you kind of drive off your spot mirror and see if the guy had a bad corner and, and try to help him if he needs room to slide or something. The cup series, you just drive your car as hard as you can. You don't pay attention to anything else because you don't have time for it. And to your point, again, you can do that and have less risk as a driver owner because of the experience level at the cup series. They, they all know when to race and what to do and when to do it. And and you know, when they're going to cut it all loose and when they're playing it a little bit safe too. So it's something you can definitely, uh, definitely look at and, and judge, judge what you do off of that. See, and I want to give the scouting report to everybody listening to the podcast for BJ McLeod, the driver. All right. This is the scouting. This is as Tommy Joe Martin's the guy that raced against him in the same in the same equipment with the same setup. All right. BJ McLeod, probably the smartest person I've ever raced with. I got asked on another podcast last week, BJ, who was my favorite person all time to race against. And I said to you, and it's because I knew if I beat you, you definitely weren't letting me beat you. No, no, never. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. So there was like a level of accomplishment there. Because Absolutely. An extremely experienced racer, but also probably the smartest in the sense of you have such awareness of everything going on around you that even I will admittedly like not have. Like, I'll say that. I mean, I'll get caught up racing what's right there in front of me. I think you do a better job of understanding the whole track, your speed relative to everybody else. Hey, this guy's probably catching me a little bit. I'm going to let him go. I'm going to see what he's doing. You know, you pointed me by at Dover for a top 20 spot. Yep. I probably, I would never do that. Like, and I know that about myself. I would never do it. But you got out of the car and you were like, yeah, you're way faster than me. What am I going to do fighting you? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So really smart. But also, and here's, I'm telling you all this, everybody listening to this. I'm telling you guys all this about BJ, how smart he is. And then probably the dumbest qualifier that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I mean that as a compliment, like you were doing things in qualifying that I'm just like, I literally couldn't do that. Like I couldn't force myself. That's funny. I think BJ is legitimately one of the best qualifiers in all of NASCAR. So that's the scouting report on BJ in a race, super smart, aggressively needs to be 
on our oval. I think he's one of the best racers I've been around, but really manages the race extremely well, manages your pace, smart on restarts, all that, but in qualifying, just an absolute Tasmanian devil. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll take a uh, very, you know, a lot of, um, I'm just proud that you say that about qualifying. Let me put it that way. because this is So I truthfully just love to drive cars fast. I know it sounds stupid, but that's like, I'm good. Like some of these races, I don't even care if there's cars around me, right? I just like to, I just like to drive them as hard as I can. And you know, if there's times in a race, you can't do that. But qualifying, I always got cut loose and just told to do what I could do. And it's so fun trying to get off pit road and get momentum and, and just everything that you can try to do. And some of these tracks in the Xfinity car try to go wide open, which is insane. And it's been a lot of fun to do that. And it you know, is to your point, well, I'm not doing yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> to your point, you know, we, I didn't have uh, any miss at a, at a, a Xfinity race other than Talladega when my drive shaft broke until Charlotte two weeks ago. Yeah. And I actually got out of the car and went in the trailer and broke two cabinets. People, people don't know that, but it, that's how much it means to me. Like and that was the, driving the picture, somebody else's car yeah. too, by the way, that wasn't driving one of his cars. Yeah. No, that I was driving Mario's car. Yeah, that was getting yeah. mad that he we, missed the race for somebody else. So we ended up with a flat in practice on um, Friday when they went through tech and they changed heights and everything and got the car all out in left field. And we lost all the practice, finished practice last then uh, they changed everything around to try and help me. And they have awesome stuff over there, fast cars. Like it was just a freak deal. Right. And uh, ended up getting a splitter. It laid on the ground when I left pit road, I got up on the top. I was still in third gear and the splitter hit the ground and I'm like, wow, we're in trouble. So I couldn't even finish the lap, but it meant so much to me, my qualifying efforts over the last 10 years that I got out and broke two cabinets in my own trailer because I didn't qualify that car in. <laughs> That's how much effort I put into it and how much I appreciate what you say. And, and drivers' opinions honestly matter more than anything on the planet, right? Because other drivers are never going to give you anything. And if they say something, they mean it. And to hear somebody like you say that you love watching me qualify, like that's just cool, you know. Like, I, and that's something that I always have that I can do for a long time. And trust me, I'm going to keep being crazy, so that's not going to change. It's a skill, and it, and it matters. And we're going to some of these races here in the Xfinity Series where we're going to have qualifying. Now, unfortunately for you, a few of them are at a road course. So yeah, I don't it's not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be better off at a road course to just pick a wall and run into it. <laughs> that's that's my talent level there right now. <laughs> How much of this do you think comes from like so BJ? When I was driving for you, I mean, there were several races we would go into. We almost had to pick our spots with how we we're going to manage the money of like, okay, look. I feel like this is a good track for me. We've got a good car. All right, let's go ahead and buy some more tires. We're going to really try to be aggressive and get some points this race. And there were other races we went into it and we were like, yeah, we're running scuffs all day. And as the person driving your own car there, you know, the only time you're going to have fresh tires and really be able to gauge the speed of your car is when you make a qualifying run. Yeah, exactly. Like that, it kind of tells you because, you know, a pole sitter can always win a race, but you hardly ever see a 20th place qualifying car win a race. So it's always, anyway. yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's always, you know, very important to know how quick our equipment is to try and gauge and get better for the future. So that's always a big part of it. But, you know, for me, it's always, I think I still hold six or seven track records and super late models. It's always been something that 
I have just loved trying to make happen because it's two laps, nothing on nothing. Like, yeah, the car's on the line. And honestly, I race most of the time like that don't matter anyway. Like I, I just choose to be smart because it gets you the better finishes. It's like, you just go out there and drive the living crap out of the car for, for a lap or two laps or whatever you're, you're given. And it's just fun to put it on edge and see if you can do it equal or better to better than the next guy. So, you know, it's funny. I actually just seen a um, picture of a, uh, paper that was put on Facebook from 1999 that uh, was at Orlando's. It was an article about Orlando speed world. And it was saying that Pete Orr had taken the track record back from BJ McLeod. And I was, that's, that's 98. All right. Like that, I was 13 years old and he was getting the track record back from me, you know? So it was, it was pretty cool seeing that talking about the qualifying. Like I, uh, I thought it was a funny deal that I've been around that long. Cause I don't feel like I've been around that long, but I guess I have. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens sometimes i guess so like a quick quick overview you so during the race i mean it's a totally different strategy and so you're talking about qualifying qualifying is where you go in and you you get one lap Some, sometimes you got two but you get one lap and you're just gonna let it rip right oh yeah no there's no there's no doubt about that i always do i i could care less what happens too like i'd rather crash than know i left the 10th on the table so i um I, you know, one of the funniest stories I've got for that was, um, I think it was 17. I'm not real sure. I was driving a cup car for Rick Ware at Indy and he called me and he's like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to, you know, have to make the race. He's like, I think we're going to unload you in Kutram. And I was like, all right, obviously believes in me. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, I've never made a lap at Indy in a cup car. And that's before the, the high drag and all that stuff. Like it was still yeah. pretty quick. And I went to Landon Castle because he's always been really good at trying to help me. Like any anytime I need something, I can ask Landon. And he's like, man, if you're going to be in a mock, mock run, he's like, you got to make it past the one marker to have any kind of a shot at even being, you know, uh, getting in on speed. And I walked out the front stretch when we got there through Gasoline Alley. And I looked down at the one marker and I'm like, he, like, I'm like Tommy just said, I'm a little on the crazy side with qualifying. I looked at that and I was like, there's no way like that's okay. not going to work. I want to give some context really quick here to the people that maybe have not been to Indianapolis. So as a driver, and, and this is what makes the Indy 500 to me, even crazier and qualifying there, even crazier as somebody that's cut a lap there in qualifying in an Xfinity car. When we had a high drag package on the car, still, when you drive off into turn one there, it looks like a 90 degree left, uh, just visually the way the grandstands are set up and everything turn one, it looks so much tighter than turn three does just visually the way it looks. And so this is literally going to be your first lap on track is going to be unrestricted, no high drag, nothing going into turn one, like basically on a qualifying run. Yes, exactly. We were, we were in Q trim. The right. lap is actually a video of like coming down the front stretch and entering turn one is actually on Rick Ware racing's uh, Instagram page. Like if you go back far enough and I did it, I went out there and I did exactly what he told me to do. I got up to speed down the back stretch. And I was like, let me try it down here just to see if it'll make it. So I went to the one marker going into three and it actually was, was okay. It was a touch free, but I was like, all right, I got a shot. So then, you know, you're carrying way more speed down the front stretch. <laughs> and I was looking at turn one and I'm like, I'm going to brace up. So I literally, my seats didn't fit me that well. Then, you know, the deal, you just drive what you can. Yeah, right? So I moved right. over, I moved over to the right side of the seat, laid my head on the headrest just in case I hit the fence. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> Sent that thing past the one marker, cracked the throttle. And I wouldn't turn the wheel. I was scared to put wheel input into it. 
and I waited to the last second to put wheel input into it. And it took it, went down to the bottom and right below the white, finished the lap. And I was four seconds to the good if we had qualified right then on making the race. So <laughs> I went and thanked Landon. I was like, yep, yeah, you're right. So we ended up being fine. And then we raced that year and it all worked out. But I'll just, well, I'll forever always remember it as one of the craziest laps I've ever had to make because they expected me to be that good. And I wasn't, I'd never ran a cup car there before, you know, and it's like going off what Tommy Joe said, they know I'm good at qualifying Xfinity cars, trucks, things like that. But it just, for me, it was a big, you know, uh, undertaking to be able to get in that car and, and do a mock run off the truck and it worked out. So it was exciting. So what's the biggest accomplishment of your career being a, being a, being a team owner or competing in the Daytona 500? Oh, definitely Daytona 500. If you ask me as a driver, there's, there's no, no question about that. Like that, that for me, truthfully, Tommy Joe, and I know your aspirations to do that too. It, um, it's just, especially I'm a central Florida boy. Like I'm from Wachula, Florida. My, my County's hardy. Like it's just, you know, we're two and a half hours from there and I've drove by that track. I've been by that track five years old to now. And, you know, now I've ran three Daytona 500s, you know, like it's just insane to be able to, to know that we've done that. And I, without a doubt, you know, getting to race on the 500 was the biggest, the biggest wow moment of anything I've done in my life. And I, you know, I've won over hundred super late model races, won 20 some championships and am totally thankful for all of that because it's extremely hard to do that. But getting to start the Daytona 500, I don't care if you finish dead last, it is a unbelievable feeling. And unfortunately, my first start, we finished 19th. So it turned out to be my best cup finish still to date. So, you know, we got to work on that, get some better results and stuff. But um, I'm going to try to run that race for at least another 10 years. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really, really driven to, to get me a top 10 there, hopefully better one day. So that was definitely the, the bigger of the two. You know, I've, I've written a bunch of stuff, BJ, and I've talked about it a lot. You know, one of the biggest struggles that I've had in NASCAR is just, you know, I, I didn't come from family over here in the Carolinas. Like I didn't come from a racing background and there's always kind of been this sense that I've, maybe I didn't fit in. Maybe I didn't belong. You've now raced in the cup series now for a few years. Do you feel like you belong there now? Yeah. And truthfully, I, um, I, it, so when, before I come here in 2010, right. I didn't know how I would bridge the gap, how I would get from, from super lates to, to NASCAR. And I didn't know what the reception would be once I got there. And you always kind of picture it where you're going to be against everybody and, and have to make stuff, you know, just feel like you're going to have to try extra hard. And, and it's, for me, it's always been different than that. I've always had people reach out and try to help because they see you want it. You know, like that's, if they know you want to be successful at different points, you'll have people try to help you. And, and I've had that the whole time I've been here from, from day one to now. And to answer your question of, do I feel like I belong? I, I've never, you know how I am. I don't pay attention to that stuff, but if I was to look at it, I say I belong because the people around me try to help me and drivers of all levels from first to 40th are there to answer questions and try to help push you in the right direction. And, you know, if, if you need something, all you have to do is ask, like, I've never been told, no, we, we, we don't want to talk to you because you shouldn't be here with us. I've never, not even close to having that feeling. And, you know, I, I don't feel like I belong because I haven't had the success that I want to have as a driver. 
that's my own problem. That's not the people around me. The people around me have made me feel like I belong. And to me, that's, that's better than, than anything else. Yeah. I think what's great is you've done great things as an owner. I mean, you're just getting started on the cup side. We've also done great things as a driver. And one thing that um, I had just remembered that me and me and Tommy, before every week race weekend, we look at the entry lists and everything like that. We talk about the race weekend. So this we're look, we're going into Darlington and I was skimming through the entry list and I'm looking at the truck, truck entry list to BJ McLeod, Xfinity entry list, BJ McLeod. I'm like, this guy's running all three races. So <laughs> I, I just want to know from a driver's standpoint, we know, we know how you are, uh, you know, as an owner from a driver's standpoint, how, how the heck was it? Because we've talked to so many drivers about going to Darlington. We all know that's one of the toughest tracks to drive. if not the toughest tracks to drive. You drove all three races that weekend. So how was that as a, as a driver? Well, the reason I did it is because I've had my best runs at Darlington and I love that track. It just fits my personality. I have some places there that I feel like I'm better than some and and it's just weird things that I've learned from being there and having so much seat time. I think I've run four or five Southern 500s now and who knows the Xfinity races and different things and it's um, it's a place where I think I could get that wow finish, right? Like I I think I could make that happen and 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 really prove because to me i need to prove right that i'm wrong race, by the way sorry <laughs> so you right about the truck race by the way yeah so yeah so i feel like for me next thing as a driver is to get a top five or a top three in xfinity and race door to door with the with the with the championship guys and and yeah. the people that are in the chase and and prove that i can run at that level you know like that's what i need to achieve and and I feel like Darlington is that place for me. And that's why I chose to run all three races, not because I thought I could do it that weekend. Not at all. I didn't, I didn't do the rest of the work and get the right budgets to make the vehicles correct. Like nothing like that. But I feel like in the future, I'm going to try to make something crazy happen at Darlington. And I wanted that seat time and I want to keep developing my, my talent level there and, and try to try to make something happen. So that was why I did all three. Number one, I love the track. It's definitely one of my top three favorite tracks. And I just, you know, I really felt like that that was the way for me to keep trying to develop what I want to do. So, you know, I actually didn't do very good at all. I ended up wrecking the truck. And to me, you know, Tommy Joe, I, 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 oh, like I knew, I knew you were tore up about it. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like, I seen, I saw the wreck. He knows that I, I, I see this stuff before it happens. I saw it lifted, started slowing down. And I actually told him the, the team owner, the wreck, I missed the wreck, the, the wreck before I barely missed it. And I was like, Hey, we need to get different pads on this thing next time or something, because it just won't stop. Like it, I said, if you put a rookie in here, that's never driven, they're going to run into something because it just doesn't stop. And he's like, all right, we'll check it out. Cause you know how it is. You run used parts and different things. They just got a bad set of pads. Right. So I seen that wreck start and I couldn't stop. Like I watched it. It was like slow motion for me. I downshifted. I even turned right and hit the wall before I hit the other truck to try to slow down more before I hit him. So, you know, it was just a bad deal of the truck. And then, uh, Xfinity wise was actually my fault. I, um, I took a, I, I took a fast car, drove it up from, I think, 28th, 30th, something like that, driving for Mario, got up to Landon, and I thought, you know what, let's ride. Like, we're to Landon, we're going to stay lead lap. Landon was like 14th or something. I was like, let's just ride to the end of the stage, 
stopped paying attention, drove it straight in the fence, right in the middle of one and two. <laughs> like, just you know how technical it is, right? And it, oh, that's I, should, I, I, I just yeah. repented seven grand worth of damage on mine from riding yeah. all the way through three and four. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I did it riding when I was driving hard and sideways and making stuff happen. <laughs> I didn't hit the fence. Right. I decided to chill for five laps until the stage end. And I literally went in there, pushed a splitter bar down and now the splitter drug the rest of the race. So, you know, it killed my finish there. And, and the cup car, we actually had a good night. Um, I don't remember where we finished, but it was, uh, it was a fast car and, and we, um, we took off really quick. I think we dialed it out, messed up something somewhere, but we actually, the first stage ran 24th to 26th in the cup car. So, you know, that, that running all three races at Darlington is one of the funnest things you'll ever get to do. And it's just, it's something I'm always going to try to do when I can. Live fast motorsports, BJ McLeod motorsports. What's the future? I mean, I think I know what the future is with live fast and you guys are still kind of getting your feet wet in the cup series. I think I know with this next gen car, you're planning on being there long-term. Is that going to change the Xfinity side for you at all? Or is that going to stay the same? My, uh, my plan for that is to win a race as an owner. Um, I want to be top 15 every week and, you know, eventually be able to stabilize that 10th place position and then uh, get us a win somewhere in the next five to seven years. Like that's, that's what I'm trying to pull off. And, you know, just to make it clear, I have no interest in leaving the Xfinity series. I will always be here in some sort because it's just so fun to be a part of. I mean, those, those, you know, right now those cars are hard to drive. And even if I'm not, even if I'm not driving, I just love owning Xfinity cars. Like it's, it's definitely something that I'm going to have my hand in both as long as I can, because the Xfinity, the Xfinity series is my way to victory lane quicker as an owner and the cup deal. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying I can win one day, but I'm saying I'm going to try as an owner to win one day, you know? And it's like, I actually have aspirations. Like we talked about earlier to be six, really successful in that, you know, 15 to 20 year mark. Hopefully we can, we can be one of those guys, but the Xfinity series I know is my chance to, to be a winner as an owner. And I am going to work hard to try to make that happen, even though it's going to take a while. Like that's, that's the goal. So you don't care about any of this, but I'm going to mention it anyway. So BJ is the anti-marketing person. Everybody needs to understand this. This is a guy that literally <laughs> the most, most frustrated I've ever seen him is when we were like basically trying to come up with a tweet one time over at his shop. If you're yeah. like, I don't care anymore. Just figure it out. Okay. You've turned into like a fan favorite. You know that, right? I have, I have no clue about Are that, but know? I, I, <laughs> I know, I know that I know that the fans that I see at the track and the ones that support me on social media when I see it, I am so thankful for all of them. And I, um, I just love. It's so nice having fans back at the track, isn't it, Tommy Joe? Like, it's so just, good. It's so yeah, awesome. It's just, it's just crazy, man. Like, I always knew, knew I did this for the fans. I, like I said, I wish I was up front putting on more of a show that, that was recognized more, but we still put on a show. Me and you race the crap out of one another. Like, I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> some, there's some good races, 15th to 20th going on. Oh, yeah. And I feel like those guys watch us, you know, our fan base there's, you got the leaders that they're watching and then you got, they're, they're watching that race for 15th too, because it's crazy. Well, it's, and that's, I'm just, that's the difference between a television show and what's actually going on at the racetrack and the people that are there up and buying the tickets too. Exactly. And that's what I have began to see the, the fan base that I do have. And to me, it just is humbling and very thankful for, for everyone that supports us. And I just want to work hard and get it to where they can watch me a little bit easier on TV too. So we're going to, we're going to keep trying to make that happen. 
Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to leave. This is my last question, RJ. I'm sure you probably have something else, but I want to know here I am. I Martin's motorsports. I've been separated from BJ McLeod motorsports now for two or three years. Give me the scouting report on Tommy Joe Martin's the driver. Oh, Tommy Joe, the driver. Honestly, I think you do as much as you can with what you have. I, the wreck you missed at Charlotte, you shouldn't have missed it. And then you still get wiped out later, right? Like, yeah. it's like tell me, this, tell me about this it. sport, man, this sport, <laughs> like you're a hero. I'm going to get a top 10. And then, oh, right rear quarter straight in the fence. Game over. Let's find 30 grand to get back to the next track. <laughs> you know, like, like it's crazy, this sport, but that's why I do it. Right. But, you know, as far as you, the driver, I, I and, think, and by the way, the reason I'm asking BJ this, just so everybody on this podcast knows, this is 2017. The guy that looked at me coming out of 2016, racing a truck where I wrecked like, it's like eight or nine times I wrecked <laughs> the truck series. And there was nobody that was going to reach out to Tommy Joe Martins and be like, hey, you're a pretty good driver. I want to give you a shot in my Xfinity car. And BJ was the person that did that. So that's why I'm really interested to see from day one, 2017, that was Pocono, I think I ran. Yeah, it was Pocono. First one, 2017, uh, for a team that was at the time, I think we were, what, 30? 36 or something. It was bad. Okay. All right. So how have I changed as a driver from like that day to here we are, 2021? Well, the one thing I like the most is what you haven't lost. You, at that point, when I seen you wreck those trucks, I knew because I knew exactly what you were doing. And I respected the talent level it took to get to the point to wreck the truck, if that makes sense. Okay? <laughs> and I, 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 I thought, you know what, if I just show him one or two things all right, and have his back, he'll drive hard. And that's what you do, Tommy Joe. You don't ever slow down. You drive extremely hard in the races and you get everything you can out of what you have. And that's what I like is you have you have taken your problems in 16 and washed away the things that were causing you the bad finishes. They're gone, right? And now you just make the most of every opportunity and you definitely don't leave anything on the table with what you're driving. I think your experience level shows now because you've got so much more seat time than you had back then and you can manage stuff a lot easier for yourself than what you could back then. And now you know yourself without somebody saying anything what you need to do when. And I've told, I pulled you and your dad off to the side and told you both. I was extremely proud of what y'all have done and respected it a lot because I do what you do. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you get, you've gotten some really good finishes and consistent finishes, finishes with your own team. And that's really hard to do. And, and back to your point earlier about how I drive my own stuff, my first year owning my own car, I couldn't drive it the way you did. Like you literally, stepped up and drove it harder than I ever could have. And I have respect for that because I've done what you're doing. So that's, that's where I would put it right now. And I don't think you bolt somebody else down in your car that that's a top 10 guy right now. And they do any better with it. I can guarantee you they wouldn't. All right. Like that's a fact. And it's hard. You know, I'm very honest, right? Like, so oh, yeah. here. So it's like, they, <laughs> oh, oh, they, I, we're, we're going to get into some of the, probably the closed door meetings that you had. <laughs> yeah. So, so what the so, hell are you doing? Situations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when I say it, I don't think that anybody could take your equipment and run better with it. And that's a huge accomplishment for you because it's hard to do that when you own it. It really is. Yeah. I'd say that's probably the hardest part of it is knowing. It is. 
you know, just like what happened the other day, you're like, well, was there anything that I could have done to prevent Nothing. I um, watched that. I felt so know, bad. For like, you. But like, you need to run through it, right? Because you're like, well, yeah. I'm the one that's having to pay for this. This is, it sucks for me. That's why probably the most fun that I've ever had in racing was probably driving for you because it's like, that was part of the deal. You were like, well, you know, I trust Tommy Joe. And if something happens, I know he probably didn't. What it is. And I'll pick up the tab if it's some damage. Well, it's like, yep. you know what? It's, it's, Mar- what, what, what's the name on the shirt right Martins. now? <laughs> it's, it's, let's just pick it up the bill now when something happens. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Yeah. That was that, that Charlotte crash. That was, yeah, like BJ said, I mean, you felt it was like the hero moment. You avoided that crash. You won. Didn't you win the, the X, what is it? The Xfinity moment yeah, of race or, like or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You won the race. Tommy Joe Martins. And it was like not pictured where he got dumped again later <laughs> in the race. Yeah. Man. Uh, that yeah. That, that was very sad, but I, I do have, yeah. I have one last question for, for you, BJ. So you talk about the race. You talk about, you said your biggest accomplishment as a driver was racing the Daytona 500, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So, so other than that, are there any races like in the future that you look at uh, that you haven't done yet that you're like, man, I really want to compete in that race. Is there anything? So the only thing I haven't done yet is race Sonoma. And that is definitely not, not on my <laughs> mind that, that I'm dying to go out there. Not because I don't love the track, have a ton of respect for everybody that can be quick there. I just truthfully, I mean, and I'll say it here for the first time. I, I have to go to work as a road course racer. And honestly, Tommy Joe, Scott Heckert, like these guys are willing to help me. Josh Balicki, every one of them. If I said, Hey, let's go to VIR and rent two cars and I'll cover the bill. Teach me. Andy Lally's reached out and said, Hey, I'll help you. You know, like I've got some unbelievable people willing to help me learn road course racing. And the reason I take myself out of those cup cars is because I haven't put in the effort as a driver to be in those cars. Well, I have not put the work in Jay to be like, yeah. you know what? I probably don't need to be learning to road race at the cup level. It's no, that's exactly right. right. <laughs> that's the thing. It's not right. And I don't want to do that. And I'm not that guy, you know that. So yeah. that's the way I look at it. And that's why Heckert's in the car and, and Tilly's in the car. Like they're, they're freaking awesome road racers. So, you know, I, to, to answer your, your question, I have raced everything that I want to race. Now, what my drive is, is to keep moving those best finishes up further towards the the number one position right like that's that's my sole focus now as a driver for the future is to get myself further up the finishing ladder and and get some ridiculous finishes at different places over the next 10 years like that's what i'm going to try to do and and i and i'm going to work hard to make that happen and very very focused on it right now so we'll uh, we'll see where that goes but i um i don't see myself going to going to sonoma anytime soon we'll put it that way <laughs> that, tur- that turns into a just a trip for you and jessica maybe go to a winery or two that's yeah. you're exactly right tommy joe that's what we're doing next year i didn't go this year just because i wanted to be here and sort out some stuff for xfinity but it um we she said she's like we're going next year whether you're driving or not and i was like we're gonna go check out the wineries and stuff that's what we're gonna be doing so that uh that's exactly what we're planning <laughs> uh one more thing so i want to know because there's been times this year where you've gone to the racetrack and you weren't racing all weekend Yep. Are you more nervous on Xfinity Day as an owner? Oh, yeah. Are you more nervous yeah. on Cup Day? Man, honestly, I didn't know because I, said, oh, I yeah. got lucky. Said, oh, yeah, Xfinity. Yeah, I got lucky. I got lucky and got to drive for Johnny whenever I filled up my cars for yeah. two and a half years, right? So yeah. I have really never watched my Xfinity stuff. Like, I've, it's been, I think I watched two races in 2017, and I don't, honestly, it didn't bother me. Um, 
this year is like nail biting with the not getting paid, fall out of the bonus money. Oh, yeah. like, and it's, there's no, so like, usually, you know what we do. We go to Daytona, we get a good finish. We cruise the next couple of weeks. We pad the points and then we and go you, race and you ready. By the way, you went and got yeah. a good finish yeah. in Daytona. So exactly. We did. Yeah. So, so you go do all that and then you're like, all right, I'm good. You know, like whatever happens in the weekend, you trust me, you don't like blowing motors. You don't like wrecking cars. You don't like having bad days, but it's not like shape shifting for your business. All right. This year, there's a lot more on the line and yeah. you're losing thousands. We've lost hundreds of thousands already. Okay. So yeah. it's like, if you, you start having that happen and it's like, these races get a lot more tough to watch and I, and take that part out of it. Honestly, it's hard for me to sit and watch my cars. Like I, I really get into it and it's, and there's times where you have it. Like you got in the yeah. car at Dover. Yeah, no, I was in it. That part don't bother me. I'm good then. Like right. I was in the car and Jesse's literally got somebody piled on top of him. And in my head, I was like, man, I hope he's okay. Like once I knew he was okay, I was like, whatever. Like it, it did not phase me at all. And I lost what 50 grand right there. Yeah, like it, it wasn't. Yeah, we did. And it, it's like, I didn't even that part. It didn't bother me because I was in the car when yeah. I'm on top of that box or, you know, watching on TV from home, like I was this weekend it is nerve wracking to a level that I've really never felt like it is, it is crazy how tough it is right now. <laughs> and, and also knowing that you could also be in the car. I feel like that's probably the weirdest part of this. Right. And that's why I wanted to get your perspective on it. That's only happened to me a few times where yeah. Austin Wayne self drove for our truck team in 2017 when I was driving for you. And that was the weirdest feeling of like helplessness that like, <laughs> At times, I was like, I want to be in this truck right now. Like, you know, you can do it. You're not, you're not just an owner. You're a driver. You that know, you were oddly enough. That doesn't bother me. I didn't want exactly. think this weekend. I'm just being honest. It doesn't like this weekend. I did not think once. Well, if I was in Ellis's car, I wouldn't have spun out the last corner. I know that. Oh, well, he did yeah, everything he Ohio BJ. Yeah. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, like that, that was like, you don't, you just don't, it never crossed my mind. Like I just get the, the driving side, like the drivers I've picked and the people I have in my cars, I believe in them a hundred percent. I believe in you a hundred percent. Like I just don't take somebody unless I believe in them. And once I check that box that I believe in them, if they make mistakes, that's my fault. Like I chose them and I shouldn't, I shouldn't be upset because I could have maybe done something a little bit better than they did because I've got more seat time. I need to be upset because I didn't prep them correctly because I made a decision to put them in. So that's how I've always looked at it. Instead of me replace them, what can I do better as an owner to make sure we don't end up in that same spot again? Yeah. You know, it's just, like I said, this weekend, it's when you start running in that top 15, that it gets so nerve wracking. I'm all right. Twentieth yeah, to thirtieth, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't really care. Yeah. But when we get in that top fifteen, and it's like, oh, that's what I want. Like, I want a top ten. Like, and he yeah. was eleventh on the last lap, man, and he got spun out. I think uh, it's just a racing deal. Nobody, nothing bad. Like, right. just three wide at Mid Ohio, last corner, not room for three cars. Right. So yeah. they got spun out, and Ellis did an unreal job all day. Like, he restarted sixth. And I was like, not so smart. I wasn't really a fan of it. Not going to lie. <laughs> and um, I was proud of him for doing it. But I was like, we shouldn't be doing that at this point. Right. So anyway, he did it. And you know how the spotter situation is in mid Ohio. It's really oh, yeah. hard to get the whole track covered. So I watched him because he was on TV for that whole couple laps. 
he had two three wide situations, two dive bombs sent on him. And he knew where his car was, Tommy Joe. Like he did not get a door mark. He left room. He didn't get spun out. Like I was really, really impressed with how he handled that. And then we're up there and in contention. And I'm like, we take the white. We're still, you know, we're 11th. I'm like, all right, this is going to be an unreal finish. Sitting there, my heart rate's probably 180 sitting on the couch, right? We're going around. And then all of a sudden you start seeing people click off that have finished the race. And Ryan's not there. And I'm like, what happened? (laughs) So anyway, you got spun out. It is what it is. But that part's very hard. As somebody that now pays attention to the points each and every week, that wound up being a big swing where oh, you yeah. guys with the 99, instead of being in the top 30, now we're absolutely first. It cost me a minimum of, you know, it cost me thousands. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And, and it's no fault of nobody, yeah. including the people that spun them out. Okay. Like, I don't even know exactly what happened still, but I heard it was one car into another car that hit him. And I don't blame those guys. It's the last lap. We need to be pushing and bumping and shoving and we need to put on a show, right? So our TV deal keeps going up. Like I just got the bad end of it this week. <laughs> it is what yeah. it is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, I will, I will say one thing. The BJ McLeod, like Tommy Joe said, the BJ McLeod fan base is real. It is a thing. <laughs> they're, they're, well, they're going crazy. I greatly appreciate everyone. Yeah, the anti-marketing guy is going to wind up with a bigger fan base than anybody. <laughs> you just know me. I'm face-to-face kind of guy. That's who I am. So I uh, but just thanks, uh, really appreciate everybody's support. Thanks, man, for uh, spending a little time with us and everything you've done for my career. Probably the most genuine guy I've ever met in racing. So, Likewise, man. Yeah. Thank you for helping us when we were at the spot we were at. Like, just greatly appreciate what you and your dad and your family getting to know all you guys. Like, it was a lot of fun. And I've been very... I've enjoyed watching you guys build your own deal because you've done an awesome job. So just uh, thanks for everything. And thanks for having me on this uh, podcast. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. And uh, you guys will see each other. Yeah. Texas this weekend. Yeah. See you. I'll start weekend. Yep. All right. We'll see you, BJ. Thank you. See you, man. Thank you. And welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast. BJ McLeod, uh, our guest today, awesome guest, uh, especially because of the history uh, between you and him, you driving for him, all the stories he was able to get us. So that was great. Uh, but like we said uh, at the end, Texas Motor Speedway this weekend's all-star weekend for the Cup Series uh, with also some Xfinity and truck racing as well. So on the Xfinity side... Um, you know, I know you're, you're, you said you were looking forward or some, some, some of the guys on the team were saying they were looking forward to this weekend, obviously just to rebound from everything that has happened. And Hey, I mean, you know, we've, we've talked about Texas motor speedway uh, a lot on this podcast, but it is, you know, believe it or not the place where you scored the top 10. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's a little light heading uh, to Texas motor speedway, isn't there? Uh, there is uh, three DNFs in a row for us. Um, not where we want to be uh, as a team, but we know our mile and a half program has probably been the strongest part of Martin's Motorsports uh, over the, the last year and a half that we've had this thing together uh, in this bizarro world where you would think probably the short track road course program as a small team is where you can really have a t- Really, it's been mile and a half for us. That's where we've probably been the best. 
And Texas was the one where we finished 15th and 10th last year. So definitely our best track uh, on the circuit. Uh, so yeah, I'm optimistic. And everybody that's listened to the pod before knows my feelings on Texas. Texas sucks, uh, not as a state, not not as, a, as an area to go watch a race, but as a competitor on the surface of Texas Motor Speedway, it sucks. It's terrible. It is my least favorite place to race on the entire schedule, which is why I'm sure that this is just God having a sense of humor that I'm apparently pretty good there. Uh, when, when really, I don't even like doing it. Uh, but I know that it's probably going to be a really tough race too, RJ, because we know the PJ1 is going to get put down. We know it's going to be extremely tough to pass. We know track position is going to be really valuable. And we're starting 36th because we blew a motor up in mid-Ohio. So we're going to have a long way to go. Now, one thing sometimes I look at, I'm looking at the weather report right now. It's going to be 94 degrees scheduled for when you guys are racing on the racetrack. And I know last year you guys kind of had the same thing where it was like, I mean, it was a rescheduled race, middle of the summer, racing during the day. I mean, people are getting over. I mean, as a driver, how are you, are you preparing any differently for not what is looking like um, lower 90 degree weather at Texas Motor Speedway in a middle of the day race? Uh, look, you know, you know, it's going to suck, right? <laughs> you, just, you know that going into it, uh, the mile and a half races when it's really hot, those are the ones that suck the most uh, to me anyway, as a driver. And it's simply because we're going to seal off the right side window. The airflow into the cockpit is not going to be as much. It's a downforce car, right? So everything is sealed off as much as you can to try to get maximum aero downforce on a, on a high downforce track. Um, you're going to move the exhaust a little bit up a little closer to the floor, just to try to get that extra little bit of clearance. And so it's going to be hotter on the floorboard. Um, yeah, you know, it's going to suck. And for me last year, we did this and I actually got physically burned. Uh, I still have a scar from it, um, from a couple of races back to back. It was Texas and Kansas back to back where, um, just <laughs> for whatever reason, we didn't have the heat protection <laughs> that I needed. Uh, and that, that hurt me pretty bad. So yeah, I guess uh, back to the scene of the crime here in Texas, but look, it's June, it's Texas. We, we know it's, we know it's going to be hot. Uh, we have since changed some of the stuff we do inside the cockpit to try to help me out and not, not get burned. Right. I'm saying this as both the driver and the team owner, if somebody else was driving for me, I know they're probably not going to be doing the best job. If they're literally being lit on fire, uh, inside the cockpit, <laughs> they're probably going to break their concentration a little bit. Um, so we know that, uh, the best chance we have at getting a good finish, we know we're going to bring a good race car, um, discover Denton back on the car with us who had sponsored uh, a race earlier this year at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So really happy to have them back. Uh, we know it's going to be a good race for us. It's just about, we've legitimately spent time. We've had a meeting about driver comfort. That, that is something we have addressed going into this. So when you ask, are we doing anything different? Yeah, we don't normally have a meeting about driver comfort. We did this week because we know that's going to become more of a factor here as, as it starts heating up during the summer months. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we have that Xfinity race, truck race. They'll be on the same day, doubleheader, truck race at 12 Eastern, Xfinity at three or no, 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 12 truckers at one Eastern, Xfinity race at four. I'm getting thrown off. I'm in, see, I spend so much time in Florida. I'm in Chicago right now. I fly <laughs> home tonight, but I'm losing track of the time zones. But yeah, four, four Eastern Xfinity race, one Eastern truck race. 
Um, but then the cup race, that's um, the majority of the big talk this weekend, the all-star race. Um, I'm, I, I'm not going to go over the format cause I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> and we've already done, we've already done that. Yeah, we've we've done that our debate, scroll back a few in the podcasts. Uh, we've yeah. done as much as we could. Um, but I guess the question would be, is this going to be a hit in Texas this weekend? I don't know, man. I mean, they, they lowered the downforce or excuse me, they lowered the horsepower even more. So we're not 550, we're 510. We're knocking it down even lower um, in the hopes that that we're going to see something equivalent to what we saw and probably the, the greatest race that wound up probably being the worst race of the last several years, uh, which was that all-star race in 2019, I believe. 2019, maybe 2018. Yeah, 18 or 19. Yeah, so that also race at Charlotte with the high drag package for the first time that created an absolute wild night uh, that basically turned Charlotte Motor Speedway into Talladega Junior, right? Yeah. And uh, that was really the goal of this high drag package was was to do that, to create pack racing at mile and a half. Uh, has not obviously played out that way. But we're still, this is the same effect, right? That's what we're trying to do as we lower the horsepower even more, uh, increase the downforce, increase the drag on the car. We're trying to keep everybody bunched up. We'll see. I mean, I, I don't know. I, obviously, I'm thinking as a driver, <laughs> like for me in the Xfinity race, I just know that every time we go to one of these tracks that is a PJ1 prepared racetrack, I am at least aware enough to know they're not putting PJ one down on the track for the truck race. They're not putting PJ one down on the track for the Xfinity race. They're only putting it down on the track for the cup race. Essentially trucks and Xfinity. We're like the prep yeah. crew. You're just getting them ready. We're, we're just getting that PJ one <laughs> ready for them, which is why it probably sucks double for us. Uh, Cause it hasn't been worn in properly yet. Yeah. Uh, by the time we get to that show, uh, for the cup guys that are at their all-star race. Hopefully the track is a little racier there with that middle and maybe a little bit higher groove. Uh, and maybe we could see something like that. I mean, that, that was exciting. Like I'm not going to sit here and act like that wasn't an awesome race. If you want to go back and look at that, everybody, that, that race, the reason I say it was both great and terrible, it was an incredible show. And everybody said it was probably the greatest all-star race since the one hot night. Uh, back back in the day, which they've literally done a documentary on. You guys wanted to look at that. Uh, but but it created the need to be like, ooh, well, what if we did that every week? <laughs> and that has clearly affected the racing product that we've had on track for the last year and a half uh, or two years since we've really done this. Um, and I don't think that's really been a positive. And we look at a lot of the stuff that we had last year with this high downforce package, like at places like Darlington and Dover, where we took the, the high downforce package, it clearly did not work, right? So at Phoenix, and some of these places where you're like, oh boy, those are some tough races. Like nobody's going back and watching Phoenix 2019 with the high downforce package. Like nobody wants to see that. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I want it to be a great race. I do. I want it to be exciting. Uh, the idea of moving the all-star race around I'm at least intrigued by the idea. And so we've done it now for a few years. We've gone to Bristol. We have now gone to Texas. Um, I hope the turnout is there. Hope it's a good rowdy crowd. And I hope we put on a great race. Um, I just know in my heart that Texas Motor Speedway 
ain't the most exciting racetrack right now. It, that is not a driver's racetrack <laughs> right now. Um, so I'm 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 going to say very very cautiously. I'm going to be optimistic about the racing action we're going to see this weekend. Yeah. 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 I try to, this whole season, I know I'm just trying to be as optimistic as I can. I know it's a big, you know, it's a big entertainment season for sure with all the advertising we've been doing about all the races in the past. So, Hey, I mean, we're going Texas Sunday night, um, all-star race, six stages, uh, package where we're hoping to have two, three wide race in the whole time. You know, Eddie Gossage's last night we're throwing, you know, yeah. he's, he's going to throw a big party after the race, something like that. I don't know. It's just going to be a party night. That's usually what the all-star race is anyways. So hopefully it's entertainment, uh, for the fans and hopefully, um, and, you know, Xfinity and trucks put on a great show as well, but Hey, you know, that, like you said, you guys are just prepping the PJ one, uh, for the cup race. So, you know, I guess, I guess kind of like the Charlotte Friday practice they had for, for the truck series, you know, um, hopefully, hopefully it's not like that. Hopefully, hopefully we don't lose seven trucks, uh, yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. I'm a little nervous about it, but one, one, one other thing going into this weekend, this is the final weekend, um, on the cup and Xfinity side for Fox sports on the coverage. And it's fitting the notification I just got that said, uh, Jeff Gordon was weighing his future with Fox, whether he would continue to be in the booth or take on a bigger role at Hendrick, which would result in him leaving the booth and maybe vacating that for someone else. So just kind of as a general thing, um, as far as this year, the new addition, Clint Boyer into the play-by-play booth. We only had a two-man booth last year. We put Clint Boyer in Chris Myers back on the track. We had him as a guest here on the show how do you think um, Clint Boyer has has fared in the booth? Kind of, kind of as a as a viewer, you as a viewer, how have you liked Clint Boyer uh, being ad- added to the play by play booth? I like Boyer, uh, right? So if we think about the dynamic that you want in a three person booth, what do you want? You you want a, a an iconic play by play voice, right? Somebody that can kind of steer the ship a little bit. Uh, you got that with Mike Joy. Um, all right. You want somebody that can provide color, uh, to drive in the cars. You want somebody that can, that can be an analyst, just a driver analyst, just like you would always have a a quarterback or a a former player in the booth on a football game. You want somebody that's actually been a driver. You want that too. Uh, Larry Mack, I loved having him in the booth. Because then you get to see, obviously, the crew chief and a different look and the strategy and all that. Yeah. And also, you can go into a little more technical stuff about the cars. But I really like Boyer because he is colorful, right? So, like, we're talking about adding color to the play-by-play, right? Because it's not exciting to just sit there and go call out the cars going around. You want somebody that can provide color. Boyer's a great personality. Uh, I, I've loved him in the booth. You knew he was going to be great on TV. I think he's been great on TV. I, I love Jeff Gordon. I don't think he's great on TV. Sorry, everybody. Like I, I think he's really reluctant to say anything negative about a driver. I think Boyer is a lot more kind of off the cuff, whereas Jeff is going to be a lot more uh, thoughtful, which is really good. I don't know if it's the best for like color analysts. And, and really with Boyer, they found a great replacement for Daryl Waltrip uh, to me. I think he fills that spot perfectly. And if we were to lose Jeff Gordon uh, and that was replaced with Larry Mack back in the booth, part of me actually thinks that might be a good thing. Yeah. 
that could be a good thing. I do like Larry Mack's role uh, right now with him kind of being, you know, the crew chief, uh, you know, given, given an updates on strategy and everything like that, you know, kind of like, you know, it was kind of like what NBC did with like Steve Letarte when they put him on the Peacock pit box, you know, during the races, yeah. they kind of cut to him for a little bit. Uh, Cause I mean, he's, you know, he's crew chief and yeah, I like Larry Mack's role, but yeah, if Jeff Gordon, you know, were to, you know, said he was weighing his options and what he wanted to do. I know we have, you know, Jamie McMurray, who's done some booth work uh, for Fox. He just did the Xfinity race uh, mid Ohio on the call. Uh, you do have obviously Larry Mack there. Uh, those are really the the two names I could think of um, that could, you know, potentially go in for, for Jeff Gordon, if he were to take that bigger role on at HMS or something like that. But yeah, um, I do agree uh, back to the main point that Clint Boyer has definitely been that addition. He's definitely been that Daryl Walter replacement um, that seemed like it was needed in the booth from last year. Cause last year, you know, losing DW, um, you know, not having Larry Mack there, it was really just Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon, you know, it didn't, it didn't seem right most of the time. I mean, nothing seemed right last year with the pandemic and everything, but it just seemed a little off. You know, you needed something in there. So I do like uh, the addition of Clint Blair for sure. So I agree. Yeah, and, and allow me to be uh, kind of the aggregator here. And, and this is, let me put on my journalist cap here for a second. I mean, look, long we have known that Jeff Gordon has had an ownership stake in the 48 car. We have known that. For forever since I mean since it was literally created they talked about that so Rick Hendrick clearly getting older who's the next person in line at Hendrick Motorsports who's taking that over moving forward well you know over here in North Carolina everybody seems to think the next person in line is Jeff Gordon that that's kind of become that's that's the kind of well-held understanding is that Rick Hendrick is going to hand down Hendrick Motorsports to Jeff Gordon for him to run it uh, moving forward. Uh, so is that the first step towards that? Maybe, right? And do I have any confirmed sources of this? Absolutely not. But I think that's kind of become the general talking point amongst people in the industry is everybody feels like Gordon's the next one in line over there. Yeah, we target all these teams that are kind of making these fresh moves. If Brad Keselowski does get an ownership role in Roush Fenway Racing, uh, all the new teams that are coming line, along. Denny Hamlin, uh, you know, is now a, a team owner at 2311, going to have another car next year. Is this really kind of the trend, kind of with the next gen car coming out, this next generation? Now, all these teams kind of flip flopping a little bit. Does Jet, do they take that next step at HMS, Jeff Gordon? Yeah, I think it's a great fit for them, right? I mean, you're going to get somebody that has uh, obviously has the experience with the organization. Yeah. top down right and, and clearly somebody that mr hendrick trusts a lot uh, and values his opinion uh, a lot and uh, look uh, how are you gonna go wrong with jeff gordon i don't think jeff gordon's gonna lead you down a bad path like what did i just say about him as an analyst i was like you know the thing is he's probably a little too thoughtful it's like all right well that's probably a good guy he won't run your business <laughs> somebody that's really thoughtful uh, and obviously a guy that is uh, probably one of the greatest drivers in the history of our sport and one of the best competitors as well. I think he'd be a pretty good, pretty good choice. Oh, yeah. He's he's been he's been joining the party down there in Victory Lane the last few weeks with the uh, with the HMS drivers. Uh, so who knows? But uh, like we said, the big talk this weekend is the all star race. So, I mean, hopefully, like we said, it's a good show. Um, do we think HMS continues its dominance into the All-Star Race? Kyle Larson's won an All-Star Race before. Could he do it again? Yeah, look, my theory on this is uh, the smaller a box 
you're putting everybody in, right? So the tighter we're making this horsepower range, uh, the more each horsepower is valued, right? So if you've got the best engine at 550, well, you're going to have even a better engine at 510, right? Because that gap is going to just, what that one horsepower difference is now worth more. So yeah, yeah absolutely. I look at the RCR cars. Uh, I look at the Hendrick cars. Those Chevys in general right now are on fire. Uh, I see Larson. I see Bowman. I see Tyler Reddick as the people that I'm looking at uh, in that bow tie brigade up there uh, with, with the steam, steam under the hood. I think those are going to be the guys that, that wind up taking this thing. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to I don't know how strong this package is going to be the draft. I'm just imagining in my head someone getting a big run down the back and they go three or four wide into turn three and four at Texas Motor Speedway. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that's going to go, but we're going to find out. No, no, no run in the wall at Texas um, any, anymore, at least. So we'll see. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully you guys uh, go into the Xfinity race. Any, you know, shout out sponsor shout outs you want to do going into the weekend? You got it. You got a uh, driver appearance, don't you? I do. Yeah. How about, how about that? Look, uh, where things are kind of coming back to normal. Uh, Discover Denton. So for anybody that is going to the All-Star Race this weekend, if you're listening to this pod, if you're a, a racing fan, if you're planning on ever going to Texas Motor Speedway to see a race, which, by the way, is an awesome place to see a race, despite my gripes that I have about the track surface, it is a great place to go watch a race. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the area around there is really cool. Uh, in Denton, Texas, which is about 15 minutes north of the Speedway is a great place to stay. And uh, we're going to be down there in the downtown area, hanging out a couple of breweries down there. I'm going to try to make sure my guys don't uh, spend too much time at that the day before we go to the racetrack, uh, but we're going to be hanging out there uh, on Friday uh, afternoon. If you want to come by, see the, the 44 Discover Denton hot rod, uh, we're going to be hanging out there in the, the downtown area. They're, they're being very hospitable towards Martin's Motorsports, And uh, I just want to thank them for, for sponsoring a small team. Oh yeah. Awesome hot rod. So yeah, go there get to see Tommy Joe, get to see the hot rod, uh, make sure it's here on Martin's Motorsports this weekend. We need some, uh, we need a good result this weekend for sure. And no one, what better place to get it than uh, where you scored your first top 10. <laughs> so make me uh, happy. as always, Another thank one. you again. Yeah, exactly. So thank you again for BJ McLeod uh, for joining us on this episode and uh, everybody enjoy Texas Motor Speedway this weekend. Uh, we will see you guys next week. If you made it this far, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Drivers Meeting Podcast today, wherever you may be, and hope you stay tuned for upcoming episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and the Believe Podcast. I'm not your stepping stone. I'm not your stepping stone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited.
Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.